The following audio has been brought to you by Word of Grace Community Church. For more information about Word of Grace, visit wogcc.com. Well, I hope that you are hungry to grow today, that you came ready to hear something that was going to encourage you, challenge you, strengthen you, whatever the case may be. So for those of you who are here in the room, so glad that you're here. Those of you in the comments, glad you're there. And those who are watching online, just so glad that you're here and hope that you're ready just to continue to grow. Last weekend, we kicked off a brand new series called Serious Faith, and we talked about the cost of following Jesus. We went through a few stories in Scripture that revealed the limits or the lines that people had to how far they would be willing to go in their commitment in following Jesus. The limits that we have are really exposing the lack of awe it seems that we may have for Jesus. Because the reason there are lines and limits in the first place is because there are things in our lives that may have captivated our attention more than Jesus. And to help each one of us take our faith more seriously, we need to pursue being captivated and in awe of who he is so that out of that awe, we can't help but serve him as a result. And we're going to talk about a very important question today. We're going to deal with the issue of, is what we're doing work or is it worship? Because a lot of people get the lines blurred between work and worship. Am I supposed to do this for God? And what does he expect of me? What does he want out of me? Is there a line of enough? How do I know I'm doing it? All these other things. Or is it really worship? I don't understand. And so we want to clear up that confusion today, and we want to be crystal clear and grow in taking our faith more seriously. So let's look at the Apostle Paul in Philippians chapter 3 and verse 12. And I want to use a few different translations here just to help bring us clarity to understand what Paul is saying here. So let's look first at a at Philippians chapter 3 and verse 12. I'm going to read it out of the King James Version. This is what Paul writes to the church in Philippi. He says, Not as though I had already attained, either were already perfect, but I follow after, if that I may apprehend that for which also I am apprehended of Christ Jesus. The HCSB says, not that I have already reached the goal or am already fully mature, but I make every effort to take hold of it because I have been taken hold of by Christ Jesus. The Amplified Version says it this way, not that I have already obtained it, this goal of being Christ-like, or have already been made perfect, but I actively press on so that I may take hold of that perfection for which Christ Jesus took hold of me and made me his own. Paul said here that he was pressing on. He was pursuing something, and he wanted to press on to reveal Christ more and more and more through his life to other people, and he wasn't going to stop pursuing being more Christ-like in his life for that very purpose. But here's the thing that we've got to get. In all of our pursuing, in all of our chasing after God and wanting to know Him more, we need to understand this one thing in our pursuit, that our pursuit of God has no bearing on His love for us. Our pursuit of God has no bearing on His love for us. Some people have this mantra of try harder, do better, and they think that if they do that, God will love them more. But folks, let me tell you something. God loves you as much as he's ever going to love you right now because his love is unfailing and it does not change. 
When it came to loving us, guess what? God went first. God loved us first. It wasn't this idea of us trying to work harder to get God to love us more. I know that some of you, you might like have that dog at home that when company comes over, that you're like, oh, he'll warm up to you. And you'll like give your guest a treat. You know, like here, give him this. I promise he won't bite. Just put it in your hand and up to his mouth. And we'll see what happens. He'll like you after that. We have this idea that God, we, we have to warm up to him or he has to warm up to us. He doesn't just love us right where we're at. We have this really bad misconception and I think that it hinders us from understanding the value of works because the Bible does talk about our works, but we misunderstand and misplace works in our life where they're supposed to go because we view them often as a pathway to God. And we read scriptures like pressing on or we hear things about you know removing the obstacles and the lines to being fully committed to God. And we may be challenged by that fact and think, well, well, how do I know when I'm doing it? Because I, I, I just want him to love me. And I thought his love was free. His love is free. And he does love you. And his, his love has, has no uh, bearing on your performance at all. He even loves those that reject him. He even loves those that don't receive his love. He didn't stop loving them just because he, re- he was rejected by them. He said, no, I'm still here. I want you to choose my love. I want you to receive my love is what he wants us all to do. But some people will receive that love and some won't. But it doesn't mean that he didn't choose to love. And it doesn't mean that when we get closer to God, that all of a sudden he goes, you know what? You, I used to like you, but now I really like you. You know, I really like you more now because you're doing so much better. And man, you're you're not as big of a headache as you used to be to me. I really like you a lot. No, that's not how God is. He loved you first. He loved us first. And Paul was not saying that his pursuit of God in all the scripture that we read there about, he said, I haven't attained it yet. I'm just, I'm trying to lay a hold of this thing that's captivated my heart. This, this, This love that has grabbed me, I'm just trying to grab a hold of it because he's got me, but man, I want to pursue and know him more. He wasn't saying that that pursuit somehow puts him into a different category of God loving him more. That wasn't what Paul was saying, because here's the thing that's going to be hard for us to understand and grasp, is that God loved Paul when he was on the road to Damascus to to persecute the church, just as much as he did when Paul was standing before hundreds of people preaching the gospel. He loved him just the same because he paid the same price for him both before he had received his love and after he had received his love. Because God so loved the world, right? That he gave his only begotten son. Let's go over to 1 John chapter 4. We're going to spend a lot of time there in 1 John chapter 4 and read quite a bit of text here. So if you have your Bible, you can go ahead and go towards the, the back of your Bible over to 1 John. We're going to look at chapter 4. And we're going to see what John has to say about this love of God. John chapter 4, 1 John, excuse me, 1 John chapter 4, and we're going to start reading in verse 7. This is what John writes. Beloved, let us love one another, for love is from God, and whoever loves has been born of God and knows God. Anyone who does not love does not know God, because God is love. In this, the love of God was made manifest among us that God sent his only son into the world so that we might live through him. In this love, not that we have loved God, 
but that he's loved us and he sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. Beloved, if God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. No one has ever seen God. If we love one another, God abides in us and his love is perfected in us. Verse 13, by this we know that we abide in him and he in us because he has given us of his spirit. And we have seen and testify that the Father has sent his Son to be the Savior of the world. Whoever confesses that Jesus is the Son of God, God abides in him and he in God. So we have come to know and to believe the love that God has for us. God is love. And whoever abides in love abides in God and God abides in him. By this is love perfected with us so that we may have confidence for the day of judgment. Because as he is, so also are we in this world. There's no fear in love, but, for, but perfect love casts out fear. For fear has to do with punishment. And whoever fears has not been perfected in love. We love because he first loved us. If anyone says, I love God and hates his brother, he's a liar. For he who does not love his brother whom he has seen cannot love God whom he has not seen. And this commandment we have from him, whoever loves God must also love his brother. He loved us first. John is trying to communicate this love of God that was given to us first. His love for us changes us when, it, when we receive it because people who truly have received forgiveness... They can't help themselves but forgive. They want to forgive others because they understand the gravity of what they've received. They understand and they're, they're trying to further grasp it and they're pursuing being able to grasp it more and understand it more. And out of the overflow, out of the overwhelming love of God, they can't help but also give that love to other people. It's more of a response than it is a check mark. Some people think, oh, I'm a Christian now, so I guess there's things I can do and can't do and things I'm supposed to do. I guess I'm supposed to pray, you know, at least 30 minutes a day. I'm supposed to read at least two chapters of the Bible a day. And they look at these things as chores. They look at these things as I checked it off the list, and because I checked it off the list, I'm a good Christian and I'm doing my Christianly duty. And we think we're doing enough until somebody tells us we're not doing enough. Then we feel like, well, I guess I'm going to add more things to my list. And God's like, there's no list. There's no list. He, he, he's not saying there's a list. He's saying there is a love that you're supposed to live out loud out of the overflow of what you've received. So therefore you receive, and you, I just can't help it. I don't forgive because I'm supposed to. And we got to be careful because we say this kind of stuff as Christians all the time, don't we? Oh, well, I guess I'm supposed to do the Christ-like thing and forgive them. I'm supposed to do it? You see, I don't want to do it because I'm supposed to do it. I want to do it because it's genuinely, sincerely in my heart. I want to do it because I realize what I've been forgiven of. And I go, in light of what I've been forgiven of, I can't help myself but to forgive somebody else. Instead of holding it over their head, I am overwhelmed by the love of God. I am pursuing that. I'm trying to attain, as Paul said, and grab a hold of that thing that's grabbed a hold of me. And that's how I can love people that I can see because the God that I can't see, I still have received that love and forgiveness and it's changed me. And so therefore, forgiven people want to forgive. It becomes a part of who they are rather than just something they do. People who have, who have been loved want to love other people. People who have been served want to serve other people. People who are given much freely want to give freely. 
It's the same effect that happens when you drive through the line at Starbucks and someone has paid for your coffee. Have you had that experience before? Have you, have you ever pulled up and the person, you didn't know that person. Isn't that the weirdest feeling? But what do you want to do as a result of that person doing that thing for you? What, what's the natural response? You don't even have to be a Christian to want to do this. You want to pay it forward. You want to go, oh, I'll, I'll just pay for the next person then. Because you're so blown away. Or you go, shoot, save me five bucks. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> Now, sometimes you're just thankful for the blessing, and that's great, too. You don't always have to pay it forward. But at the same time, you are motivated. Don't you just want to do something for somebody in that moment? Isn't that such a simple thing? That's a little thing, just a small thing. And in that moment, you're kind of confronted with your own generosity, your own ability to be generous, because someone did something for you. You didn't deserve that. No one drives away going, well, I'm, I hope that person in front of me, they better pay for as long as they're making me wait. At least I hope you don't say that. <laughs> but when you've been given something, it's a natural response you want to give. And our works that we give are a response to our awe of who God is. That's what our work should be. That's why we should pursue God more. Because the more we pursue Him and the more we know Him, the more we're in awe of Him and the more I'm in awe of Him, this stuff comes out of me naturally. I don't even have to try. I don't even have to try to reorganize my schedule. My schedule is his, and I go, Lord, I'm yours. I'm here for you. And all of a sudden, the things I used to hold tightly to, I now hold loosely because I'm like, Lord, it's all yours anyways. My time, my talent, my gifts, whatever you want, Lord, it's yours. Because that pursuing of you, it's, it's coming now out of awe, and our works are a response to our awe of God. We know that our efforts don't save us as Christians because we're saved by faith, nor our works save us, but our works, our good deeds, our efforts, our intentional conscious sacrifice are all confirmations that we have received because it's us showing the world we found value in Christ. It's us showing the world this matters so much to me, I'm willing to sacrifice everything for my Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. It's an overflow. It's, it's moving into thankfulness. It's moving into action. That's why James, when he wrote about works, he said, you tell me that you can show me your faith without works. He says, I don't know how that part works because I'll show you my faith by my works. And he's not saying that my works make me saved or make me a Christian, but rather my works come out of knowing God because I can't help myself out of the joy that I have, out of the thankfulness, out of the gratefulness that has been stirred in my heart, out of the awe that I have for who he is. These things just spill out of me naturally and I can't help but show them. So there's my faith by my works. And I think we can all relate with the apostle Paul because none of us have attained perfection. None of us have attained perfection, right? Right. Like you can elbow the spouse or the friend or, yeah. None of us have done this. And Paul says, I'm not saying I'm, I'm fully mature. I'm not saying I'm perfect. But I'm striving. I'm pressing on because I want to live in a way that's going to honor and glorify God. And I just want to try to capture and get a hold of that thing that's captured and gotten a hold of me. 
Paul's trying to say, I'm so captivated by him that I just, I want to know him more. I want to know his heart more. I want to, I want to continually get to know him and serve him, to be more effective, to find more value in Christ, to continually rid myself of the lines and the limitations of my willingness to commit and serve him, to rid myself of that selfishness and that flesh and to crucify that thing daily and to say, Lord, I'm yours. I want everything that you have for me. I don't want to live in a way that's going to honor you and glorify you. The writer of Hebrews in Hebrews chapter 12 and verse 1 says, Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us also lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. Since there's such a great cloud of witnesses, let's just keep on pressing on and let's lay aside those things that hold us back because he's worth it. And that's what Paul's saying. They're cheering us on. They're, they're, they're encouraging us. We're, we're, we're moving forward, building on the foundation that those that have gone before us have laid. And I want to help us to really be set free this morning. If, if I had a goal for this message today, it would be that people would come to a new place of freedom where maybe there's been bondage before because your work is worship. Your work is worship. So it's not work or worship. It's your work is worship. It's, it's a mentality. It's, it's a positioning of the heart that we have to see. It's something we have to come to recognize as believers. Our work is worship. And it isn't always what we think. It isn't always what we think. Matter of fact, I would say 99% of the time it isn't what we think. Because we have these ideas in our head, these preconceived ideas of what worshiping God is. For some of us, the limit to worshiping God may be a church service on a weekend, or maybe even, even more narrow than that, we may think it's just the song portion. Or maybe we just think when I'm really in like that spiritual zone, that's when I'm really worshiping God with my life. And let me tell you, God is in the everyday and worship is in the everyday, and your work is worship. So how do I know when I'm doing it? How do I know when I'm getting it right? Because, man, I, I want to know when I'm getting it right, or how do I know when I'm doing enough? Maybe you're like me. I've always had this big insecurity that I've struggled with, and even to this day, of wondering when like, I'm good enough. Like I'm always looking for this kind of line of I'm doing enough, you know, like I'm, I'm a good enough husband. I'm a good enough uh, manager of financial resources. I'm a good enough boss or I'm a good enough employee or I'm a good enough this a musician or artist or whatever. I'm good enough. And, 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 you're, and in order to find out where good enough is, this is the danger in this insecurity, is that in order to find that we have to compare ourselves to other people. And we have to say, well, I know I'm doing better than my parents did at this age, or I know that I'm at least not getting caught up in the things that my brother or my sister got caught up in, or at least I know I'm making this type of decision, or I know that I've been at church more than he is. And we think that these are the things, and this is how we view, and it's so bad when we do this and we spill over into this comparison thing. And God never wanted us to compare our works to one another because there is no line. And we've got to get rid of the line that we have fabricated and made of good enough. 
I want you to be set free today to see your work as worship, to see your life as a song lived out of worship to God, not something you have to achieve or attain, but rather repositioning your focus and your heart to see your work as worship because you don't have to measure up because that's contrary to the message of the gospel. The gospel says it's not because of your works, but rather it's in spite of your works. It's not because of you, but rather it was because you had nothing to do with anything except making the mess. And Jesus came and fixed it. He paid it all. He paid your price. Now all you have to do is recognize how awesome that was and say thank you. And say thank you. It doesn't mean that just because someone bought you your Starbucks and and you buy theirs, well, you have to buy the next 20 people's because you want to outdo that person. But that's how we often get as Christians. We think, oh, well, I have to do this. And when I do all of those things, I finally feel like I've done it. I've done enough. Is that enough for you, God? And he's like, I didn't ask you to do all of that. He wants us to be obedient in what he's called us and told us to do. That's why we're pursuing him. That's why we're wanting to know him more because he will lead and guide you into what you need to do. We always think people who are really called, I mean, really doing something special for God, like they like left everything and moved to Africa, right? And it's always Africa for some reason. I don't know why. But it's always Africa. They moved. I guess it's really big, and maybe there's just a a lot of need there. But everybody always sells everything and moves to Africa. And we're like, wow, wow, what do we say? I could never do that. Wow, that's, that's so powerful. I can't believe that those people are really serving God. And then you begin to feel like, man, what am I doing with my life? God didn't call you to do that. I want you to be free today. God didn't call you to do that, and that's okay. You do what God's called you to do. The person who was called to go to Africa needs to do what God's called them to do. And it doesn't matter what you do and what they do. All that matters is that I'm obedient and I'm responding and grateful and thankful for what he's done for me. And my response is that worship, whether it's in Africa or Sheboygan Falls. It doesn't matter. It still pleases and honors God and glorifies Him. It doesn't matter the location. It doesn't matter how public or private that it may be. We've got to get free from this junk. Colossians 3, 23 and 24 says, Whatever you do, work at it with all your heart as working for the Lord, not human masters, since you know that you will receive an inheritance from the Lord as a reward. It is the Lord Christ you are serving. That's what he says. It's him that you're serving. If one claps, everybody claps. Come on, people. (laughs) Thank you, Jesus. We're thanking God for the fact that it's not about us. It's not dependent on us. This is freedom in Christ. He said, my yoke is easy. My burden is light. It wasn't become a Christian and they get pounded down by how much you're not doing. It's freedom in Christ because out of his great love, it doesn't even really look like a sacrifice to me. I'm willing to do it, Lord. I'm willing to pay the price. That's why when Peter told Jesus he would follow him wherever he went, Jesus said, no, you won't. He said, you're not there yet. You haven't really had your heart captured by me quite yet. You haven't really seen me for who I am. He said, but you will. You will after a little while. You're going to deny me first. And what did he do? I'm never going to do that. 
And then he ends up denying Christ three times, just as Jesus said. But then there was a time where Peter was willing to die. But he encountered the resurrected Christ. All of a sudden, Christ became more valuable to Peter than anything else. And now giving his life wasn't even a thing. Because he had been so captivated. Why? Because he had been pursuing, because he he had gotten a hold of that one who had gotten a hold of his heart. And it truly is the little things. The everyday things that we do with an attitude and commitment as unto the Lord. When we wake up and we prepare breakfast, we're taking care of our family and we're doing it as unto the Lord. When we go to work or we stay at home and we manage the house during the day, take care of your children, spend time with your spouse, clear snow in your driveway. Do it as unto the Lord. God, I'm serving you with my life. And that's just as significant as the person in Africa. And you don't believe that. And I'll tell you why we don't believe that. Because we're always comparing ourselves with other people. We need to focus on what God has called us to do instead of comparing ourselves with what other people are doing. What has God called you to do? What has he gifted you to do? What are the gifts and talents and abilities? You know what? Your gifts and talents matter. You know that the influence he's gifted you with It's not any more important than anyone else's. It's the gift and the talent and the influence that he's given you. How are you stewarding that? It's more about are we being obedient to what God is telling us to do instead of comparing ourselves to what I'm not doing by looking at someone else. Oh, wow, that person's a prayer warrior. I wish I was a prayer warrior like that. God called them to do that. What's God called you to do? Are you doing that? That's the question you should be asking. That's what that person's testimony, just like we have Bob and Amy Abel up here. Bob just got back from Africa. Great, God told Bob to go to Africa. And you might have helped financially support him or maybe you've spent time praying for him while he was in Africa. That matters just as much as his feet being on the ground in that country. You have to do what God's called you to do. We all have a part to play in this. It'd be weird if everybody got up here and took turns preaching a sermon every Sunday morning. Because what would we do? We would compare. Some people would get a bigger audience than others. Because that's what we in our flesh do. But God didn't call everybody to get up here and preach and teach. He called me to do this. This is my role. This is my gift. And it is not any more significant than your role or your gift. And I need you to believe that. Because God does not say, oh, Derek, you know, he's special. I really, really like him. I'm not up here trying to impress you or impress God. I'm up here being obedient using my gift. And my prayer is that me being obedient using my gift will inspire and encourage and challenge and equip you to be obedient and use your gift as well. And I want to give you opportunity to do that. Amen. And, and it's the little things. It's the things that we miss so much, man. I mean, my goodness. The majority of us, we miss it because it's not some huge thing that we think, oh, wow, look at what all that person gave up. Look at what all they did. Wow, what a huge sacrifice. Stop looking at them and say, what is God calling me to do? How does it, how does what I'm doing and the attitude I'm doing with it with, how does that please God? Thankfulness drives our desire to know God more. I want you to be free today of this idea that God wants you to try harder to do better. Instead, I pray that a weight is lifted from your shoulders to see that God loves you right where you are, even if you're not a Christ follower yet. 
maybe you're here, you're watching online, or maybe you're sitting in this room, and you're not a Christ follower yet. God still loves you right where you're at. He just wants you to receive his love and accept his love because he loved you first. And maybe his love is you being here today because maybe a friend invited you or maybe you just came because you were curious or maybe you're carrying a lot of junk and a lot of weight around and maybe today is the day of your salvation where your eyes get opened and you see your need for Jesus and you reach out to him as your Lord and your Savior and say, Jesus, I need you. Maybe today is the day for you to do that. But he still loved you first. The one thing we should be as recipients of the love of God is thankful. Tim Keller says this, it's one thing to be grateful. It is another to give thanks. Gratitude is what you feel, but thanksgiving is what you do. (laughs) Think about that for a minute. How many times are we moved in our heart and we feel that gratitude. We experience that emotion of gratitude. Wow. Oh, wow, what Jesus did for me. Oh, I, I experienced that. I, I am so grateful. But thankfulness transitions me from a feeling into action. That's where James said that I'll show you my faith by my works. I'll show you the love and the gratitude in my heart by the thankfulness I exercise in my everyday life. That when you're raising your kids, you're raising them in the fear and admonition of the Lord. And that God has called you to invest in those kids. And just because maybe you're not earning a a six-figure salary and you don't have some prime parking space. And matter of fact, your car parks in the garage while you're taking care and raising kids. That's what God has called you to do. And he wants you to be obedient and faithful. And that brings him glory. And that is what you're called to do for that season in your life. And it honors and glorifies God. And it's just as important as anyone who's ever done anything, if that's the role and the gift and the responsibility God has given you, it's your responsibility to just do it as unto the Lord. Because you're not just doing it for human affirmation. You're doing it because you know it pleases God. And you want to do it to the best of your ability because you want to do it in a way that honors God. That's why we need to get to know his heart and know what honors him, what pleases him. And we get to know that through his word. And then when we spend time in his word, we get to go, I see more of God's heart than what I saw before. And I know what pleases him. So now I know how to make my work as worship in a way that's going to please him and honor him because I know what he's called me to do. I know what he's gifted me to do. I know what I'm supposed to do with my life. Your work is worship. Your efforts are worship and sacrifice to God. It truly is in the everyday and in the mundane that God is glorified. It is in you, and and I don't know if they're listening or not, but I hope they are. It is in you watching kids in our nursery at church. And if you can hear me, I want you to know that your service is to God because someone may receive Christ today and their eternity will be altered forever because you held their baby while they heard the gospel. So thank you for that. That's worship. That's sacrifice. That's someone saying, I have received this great love from God and out of that love, I'll be, con- I'll, I'll be compelled to say, how can I help serve so someone else can hear the gospel? I'll willingly inconvenience myself so someone else can hear the gospel because eternity is hanging in the balance. And maybe they don't need the distraction of their child. Maybe they would miss something important or maybe they wouldn't even be paying attention at all or they wouldn't want to go through the hassle of even trying to make it to church on a Sunday. But because someone said yes, there's now another opportunity for someone that maybe that would have been an obstacle before.
Someone set up chairs in this auditorium. Did you know that? You know that it wasn't just like, boom, chairs. And you know these chairs get moved around all during the week, set up, stacked up different ways, and somebody has to make sure they're aligned right. And then you can sit down in those chairs. You probably didn't think a whole lot about who set up those chairs. God did, though. And it doesn't matter if you thought about it or not. It's not for you to think about. It's rather for God to see and know that person was obedient and faithful and willing. And that is worship. That is them saying, Lord, here am I. I'm doing what you've called me to do. Some things are a little bit more out front than others. We just worshiped with our worship team. The worship team puts in about eight to 10 hours a week in practice and in rehearsal. Some do even more at home on their own. And then here we get come and we just sing songs for 15 minutes. They put in a lot of work. Nobody sees all the work if you're not on the worship team, but it's not for you to see all the work behind the scenes. It's for God. They're not doing it for you. They're doing it for him. They want to please him. Are are you hearing what I'm trying to say today? You see, a lot of you, you've given your finances and your blood, sweat, and tears to even make this facility possible. A lot of you have, have, have had a hand in all of that stuff. That's worship, man. It's not just us working hard and just trying to make something happen. It's us doing it as unto the Lord. That's you serving God out of your thankfulness for, for God. Some of you got here early. Some of you have been willing to learn new skills on cameras and teach kids a class or help check in a new family. Somebody made coffee. I know you're thankful for the coffee people. Why are we doing this stuff? We're doing it as unto the Lord. And when we do it joyfully as unto the Lord, we will experience the joy of serving God. When we do it out of our own strength, it'll be a frustration. It'll be something we go, well, I guess I got to go do that thing again. Well, I'm doing it for the church. I'm not doing it for the church. I'm doing it for Jesus. Even your job that you're going to go to, maybe later on today or tomorrow, Whatever the case may be, go there as unto the Lord because you're earning a wage, you're helping a company. Whatever the case may be, see it as unto the Lord. Look at those things. That's what God wants us to do. He wants us to work as worship. It's thankfulness. It's gratitude. It's work. It's worship. And so I pray today that work or worship is no longer a question in your mind, that there has been some resolution made. Because it's not about work or worship, it's about both. Work as worship. Work is worship when we have our heart oriented to Him. And we're doing what we do. Everything, man. Everything. And it's not about being enough. It's not about hitting some benchmark. It's just about growing in this pursuit. And the more you pursue him, the more God will begin to reveal to you. I was really excited this week when I saw uh, a little article come across my email of a person who speaks and writes Christian literature. And I disagreed with this person for years. Actually, I used to agree with them about 15 years ago or so and used to think very highly of the way they taught and the things they taught. But then I began to see through Scripture there was a lot of error there. And so I kind of went away from listening to this person and reading this person's insights that they had. And I thought, you know what? They're really an error. And I was in that same error. And I would just pray for them to say, God, open their eyes just like you opened my eyes. Because, man, according to Scripture, what they're teaching is false doctrine and it's dangerous. 
And that person just this past week, I saw through an email that they had publicly, and I even watched the video clip of them recanting some of those things where they said, I used to teach this and I used to think this, but God showed me this in his word and there's so much freedom there. And I'm going, praise God. Thank you, Jesus, that this person is seeing something different and they're beginning to, to, to actually want to know you for who you are instead of just who we've wanted you to be. And I saw that and I was like, thank you, Jesus. And that's what it's going to take for every one of us to keep a teachable heart, for every one of us to be in a position to say, you know what, Lord, I want to know you for who you are, not for who I've made you to be or wanted you to be or who, I, who tradition has told me that you are. I want to know you for who your word, your holy word says that you are. That's the God I want to know. And so show me, Lord, and I need to be humble and teachable enough to be willing to give up what I believe for the truth. To be able to say, yes, Lord, I see truth in Scripture, and I want that to define my view of you. That's why we're going through this real God study next week. And if you're not a part of that, I would encourage you to connect and be a part of it, because this is going to help our whole church and help whole families go through this teaching to learn who God is instead of who we've tried to make Him to be. And say, yes, Lord, I, I want to be open to receiving Your truth so I can see clearly what I need to see. And so I can grow in my pursuit of you. And so I can grow in understanding what it means to serve you, to please you, to love you, to trust in you. But to have that position in my heart to say, yes, Lord, whatever you want, that's what I want. That's what I pray that you want as we're growing to continue to learn how to worship him, how to serve him, how to live for him more and more. And if you're doing what God wants you to do after hearing this message, man, I pray that this message affirms you and that you continue to grow in that. But if you've been sitting on the sidelines, I hope this message has been a kick in the pants. And that it's time to get involved, get connected, do something, see yourself differently and see your role differently. If you've been sitting on the sidelines, it is time to connect. It's time to respond to the goodness of God and to live every day as thankful and in awe of Him because He is worthy. Amen. Would you stand with me this morning? God, I thank you for your word. I thank you for your truth, the truth that sets us free. And I pray you help every one of us to see your beauty, to see your awesomeness, to open the eyes of our heart, to see the magnificence of the love and the gift that you have given us through sending your son, Jesus Christ. May that move our hearts to a place of gratitude that translates into thankfulness so that we can, by our works and from our works, respond with our everyday lives in a way that will glorify you and bring you praise and that will please you and that will point other people to you because it is your great love. We thank you for that and I pray for anyone in this place that may not know Jesus Christ and has not experienced that love and God I ask that you would open their eyes, that they would believe in their heart and confess with their mouth that Jesus is Lord, that he is the Son of God, that he died on the cross for their sin, and that they would receive that love and repent and turn from their former way of living and say, God, I want to live in a way that will please you and honor you and let you lead and order my steps. I pray you help us to do that, God. Help us to do that every single day to continue to be led and directed by your Holy Spirit. We thank you for freedom in this place today. I pray that eyes have been opened, minds have been renewed, 
And the church has been equipped to go out and live in a way that will honor you and glorify you and point people to Jesus. We thank you for it. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening to this sermon from Word of Grace. For more sermons or any other information, visit wogcc.com.